Hello over there on the other side of the pond. This is Tony Campolo and Shane Claiborne. We're here every week at 5 o'clock in the afternoon on Sundays. And uh, we promote red-letter Christianity. I don't know whether you've ever come across that concept of red-letter Christianity, but many of us have trouble identifying ourselves as evangelicals over here in the United States since white evangelicals have married into a kind of politics that is exemplified in in Donald Trump. And uh, we're not exactly Trump people. Uh, We're Jesus people. That's right. (laughs) Jesus is neither a Democrat nor a Republican on this side of the pond. And on the other side of the pond, let me remind you that Jesus is not a member of the conservative party, the Labor Party, or the Liberal Party. Uh, He transcends political identities. Uh, We have a special guest, Shane, uh, Phil Hoy. I'm excited. Yeah, we got to meet when we were over uh, in in the U.K. uh, launching the Red Letter Christians movement. And, man, I I think you and I just kind of sat at his feet and said, keep talking. Yeah, Yeah. it was so interesting. Yeah, he said some some fascinating things that I had never heard before. I thought I I understood everything about the uh, Irish situation or the situation in in Northern Ireland anyway, uh, namely the struggles between Protestants and Catholics. But this guy had some new light to shed on the whole thing. He's a university student. I I believe you're at Queen's University, are you not? I am, yes, I am, Tony. What year are you in your studies? Uh, My third year. I'm in my last year now. Okay, he's he's moving along. And uh, what is your area of specialization as you study? Uh, music and audio production. So, My goodness, a music uh, man and tired of yeah, yeah. On top Not much of to it do all. with what we're talking about today, but sure. <laughs> and you know what else he did is he did the mission year program, which you know if, yeah. if folks are not familiar, uh, it, it's one of those. Uh, it's kind of like the gap year, or you can take a year off, or before you go to uni or whatever, you can uh, do the. Uh, mission year program and it, you live in community you volunteer for the year you did that in chicago right phil tell us a, a little bit about your experience there yeah that was uh one of one of the best and one of the hardest one of the most uh, rewarding experiences of my life i was uh, in the south side of chicago in englewood with uh pastor jay so that, that was a great great experience so it was tough but it was good yeah, Jonathan Brooks, who's a, a big part of Red Letter Christians, a really great friend. He he wrote a great book too, uh, uh, Church Forsaken, recently, and um, so you were in Inglewood. So you know, we often say like it taking a year like that to live uh, in community and and live in a uh, a neighborhood in the city. You, you walk away and you're asking new questions a lot of times and kind of find your vocation a little bit. So um, that's that's great. So you know, you, you're going to tell us a little bit about uh, the the. You, you got to educate us over here on this side of the pond. Give us a little bit more of that uh, Irish history that you told us about while we were over there. Yeah, during the. You know, he was also saying that some people in England could use a little bit of this Irish that's history right, too. That's right. That's right. In the 1800s, some strange things happened, particularly in relationship to Ireland and Northern Ireland, and specifically in terms of uh, uh, evangelical missionaries. Could you kind of cue us in on that stuff? Yeah, well, for, as regards to that, um, in 1859, 18, sorry, 1859, there was what was known as the 1859 Revival, and uh, basically a whole lot of uh, American fundamentalist Americans who a lot of them had connections with slavery 
came over to Ulster and uh, sort of started spreading their teaching and it actually ended up turning uh, Ulster Presbyterians from one of the most progressive people into one of the most conservative and uh, fundamentalist. But um, at the time, there was, there's a man called Isaac Nelson, Reverend Isaac Nelson, um, and he was uh, a Presbyterian minister, and he was a bit of a radical. He was a bit of a red-letter Christian of his day. But uh, here's what he had to say about this uh, revivalism. He said, uh, The America must be looked as the rock from which this revivalism has been hewn. And the more intimately we comprehend American religion, the more thoroughly we will be convinced that revivalism is a sham. America is the land of slavery and revivals. American revivals have been spoken of, and many of us have been delighted to hear and read of them. But what a cloud is thrown over the sunshine of revivals, and Christian churches and even ministers are involved in an abomination so repugnant to the spirit and precepts of Christianity. <laughs> well, that, that, that kind of says it all. But uh, let me just say, uh, you know, the uh, just about 1859 is when Baptists here in the United States split in half. The Baptists in the North, who came to be called American Baptists, um, were opposed to slavery. The, yep. the uh, Baptists in the Southern states, um, who embraced slavery, um, became a separate denomination. They, they formed what is now the Southern Baptist Convention. The Southern right. Baptist Convention was formed because there were certain people who wanted to be missionaries to places like Northern Ireland, and not only wanted to be missionaries, but wanted to take their slaves with them to the mission field. Uh, this would be bad enough in Northern Ireland, but imagine uh, the situation when certain missionaries from America, uh, Southerners, Southern Baptist missionaries, wanted to go to uh, Africa and bring their slaves with them to Africa. What kind of message would this send to the, uh, to the people of Africa if uh, American missionaries came bringing slaves with them to talk about the freedom that we find in Jesus Christ. (laughs) So tell us a little more about what happened. Yeah, so uh, Isaac Nelson, an interesting thing about that is that him and a man called Daniel O'Connell, he's sort of, he's called the liberator over here because he brought about Catholic emancipation, which meant that Catholics had more equal rights and were allowed to vote. But he actually, them two actually brought over Frederick Douglass the uh, great ex-slave and uh, orator from America, he brought brought him over to Ireland for a speaking tour. So they went round different places in Ireland, and Frederick Douglass actually said that it was the first time that he had ever been treated as a human being by people with white skin. Wow. And felt an equal in church. But um, so uh, Isaac Nelson, if he if he knew that there was someone that in some way benefited from slavery. So in Ireland, there wasn't really slavery, but there were people that went over to America and maybe sold products to slave plantations and things like that. So what he would do if he heard that there was someone like that coming to a church meeting, he would lock them out of the churches. Wow. Close the doors and lock them out. He uh, preached against people that held the slave chain in one hand and the Bible in the other. Mm. Now, you, mm, you mm. said something to me that was really intriguing. Uh, you said that uh, when the potato famine hit uh, Ireland and uh, people, because of starvation needs, uh, basically 
look for another place to live and look to America. And uh, yep. so huge numbers of uh, Irish people came uh, to the United States. And uh, and uh, you had a woman that was down there at the docks uh, <laughs> telling these uh, these emigrants uh, uh, who were leaving Ireland for America uh, to be prepared to fight against slavery in their new country. Could you cue us in on who that was and what that was all about? Absolutely. This, this, now, this is my one of my favorite people of all time. If you're looking for a red-letter Christian, this is her. Uh, she's a woman by the name of Mary Ann McCracken. So to put it into context, she was sort of active in the late 1700s up to... She lived to be in her 90s, so she was around up until near the end of the 1800s as well. But uh, her brother was Henry Joy McCracken, who was involved in the United Irishmen. They were a group um, of radical Presbyterians, Catholics, and some Anglicans who formed a society to try and get rid of English rule in, Ar- in Ireland. Because you have to remember, at that stage, Ireland was one country. Um, and at the top of the social ladder were... Anglicans were who were considered Protestant, and then at the bottom of the rungs you had Catholics and Presbyterians. So at the time, Presbyterians weren't considered um, weren't considered Protestant, and they suffered under the penal laws, which uh, discriminated heavily against Catholics and Presbyterians. So what you had in Belfast was this really progressive um, society. So uh, you had like the um, the Belfast Newsletter in 1786, this is, would you hear this? Uh, the, the Belfast Newsletter said that the Africans are an inferior link in the grand chain of nature is a prejudice which has been indulged in and propagated by Europeans, especially in modern times, from considerations peculiarly sordid and contemptible. The fact is that the mental faculties of the Negroes are by no means of a subordinate description to those of any other men. That's 1786. Wow. You had people like uh, Thomas Russell, who uh, formed a petition against uh, slavery and uh, organized a boycott of any products that contained sugar or any sugar coming in from slave plantations because he said that any time he's seen a drop of sugar, he's seen a drop of blood from an African slave. Mm. Mm. So this was sort of the Belfast that you had then. But uh, Mary Ann McCracken, she was uh, an abolitionist and a feminist and an Irish uh, Republican, even though she was a Presbyterian. She started uh, the Belfast Women's Anti-Slavery League, She started, uh, which campaigned against slavery and made jewellery with uh, pictures of Africans on it, saying, I'm, a, I'm not I, a man and brother. Uh, she also cared for the poor in uh, Belfast, starting up uh, charities, knitted clothes, for them and st- uh, food banks, stuff like this. But yeah, that story, she was 88 and she stood at the docks in Belfast handing out anti-slavery leaflets mm. to uh, people emigrating to America, telling them whenever you get out there, you get you take no part in slavery, you do your utmost to get rid of it because you know what it's like to face oppression. So whenever you get out there, you do all in your power to stop it. So good. Wow. So that's a great grandmother of the abolition movement right there, yeah, Marianne in McCracken. In Ireland, in Ireland. Wow. You don't think of the uh, people in, in Ireland uh, impacting America via immigration, mm. that they brought something with them 
an anti-slave mentality. Mm. Uh, and we, we always, in our American arrogance, say, you know, we bring the gospel over to the people on the other side of the pond. In reality, they were bringing the gospel to this side of the pond. Mm. The good news of the gospel is that in Christ, there is neither Jew nor Greek, bond nor free, Scythian nor barbarian, male nor female, all are one in Christ Jesus. That's in Galatians, the third chapter, in case you didn't know it. And uh, uh, preaching that message of the oneness in Christ. And what you just said, the, uh, the scientists who have examined uh, African-American people here on this side of the pond and measured them over against uh, Caucasian people, white people, find that there is no intellectual difference between white people and uh, black people, between African-Americans and uh, Anglo-Americans. Uh, we, we are equally stupid. We are equally brilliant. Uh, we, and the fact that she was saying this, you know, yeah. so long ago, yeah, we, we kind of take that as a no-brainer now. But you think, man, this was a this was a long time ago that she was on the on the cutting edge of that. So uh, we should uh, say we've been getting schooled by Phil Hoy uh, over <laughs> in Northern Ireland. Uh, he's our guest today. This is Shane Claiborne and Tony Campolo, and the name of the show is Across the Pond. We're on every week at this time. We're going to keep the conversation going in just a second with uh, Phil because we want to. We, we've been thinking about history, but we want to hear about what's happening now. Um, and, and Protestant-Catholic relations in, in, in uh, Northern Ireland. But uh, just to say, also, you should go to our website uh, as you're listening and uh, afterwards. Go to redletterchristians.org, and you can see what we're about. Uh, really, we want a Christianity that looks like Jesus again, that acts like Jesus in the world. As Jesus said, they will know that you are Christians by your love. And that's not always what people think of when they hear Christians. So we, we'd love to see that change. And it's awesome stories like the ones we've been hearing today from Marianne McCracken and so many of these folks who uh, of history, some of them we don't even know about, that have lived out that red-letter Christian uh, lifestyle for so long. So let's jump back into it with you, Phil, and tell us a— Oh, just one thing. Yeah. If you live in the United Kingdom and you're listening to the show, and that's where most of our listeners are— uh, you can go to redletterchristians.org.uk. Ash Barker, operating out of uh, uh, Birmingham, uh, I actually say it almost British, Birmingham. Yeah, that was uh, good. And uh, he has been leading the movement over on that side of the ocean. Yeah, and oh, that's how we met Phil, was we were over there launching, uh, I was, boy, we did like 20 events in a week. Oh, uh, one after the but other. We were, we were all, uh, all over, and... Uh, uh, learning as much as we were teaching, but we're trying to figure out what this looks like in every context. So for folks that are in Northern Ireland, folks that are in London, folks that are in, you know, Newham, these, you know, small, small towns that are outside of the city that we visited, there's all kinds of little places. So you're telling us uh, about the history there in Northern Ireland, but tell us a little bit more about um, the state of the church right now, where you see hope and what the challenges are, Phil. They can't overwhelm so Yeah, in, in, the, in the next uh, ten minutes. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, as, as you maybe know, uh, well Tony will know because he was involved. But uh, in uh, 1998, the Good Friday Agreement was signed, which brought the end to the troubles, which were 30 years of ethno-political conflict with a religious twist. Um, but. Uh, so after after that, then we've had this sort of period of uh, relative peace. Um, we still get some 
trouble every now and then, especially around uh, the, 12th, the 12th of July, sort of that week and other places. There's been a couple of bombs have uh, gone off up in Derry and a couple of shootings. Uh, there was last year. There was uh, it was very very sad. It might have been this year even. Uh, a young journalist called Lyra McKee was accidentally shot by the dissident Republican group. So uh, there, there's definitely still bits of trouble. But uh, Jonathan Brooks, he likes to say that you need to look. At the brokenness of humanity, but you also need to look for the goodness of God. Mm. That if you just look at one or the other, it's uh, like looking through one lens of a set of 3D glasses. You don't see the whole picture. Um, so, mm. in terms of good things that are happening, it's it's mostly sort of grassroots things. To be honest, there now that there's not soldiers in the streets and bombs and shootings all the time now. Uh, People have sort of stopped caring as much about reconciliation, which is which is a shame. But uh, for instance, in my town, uh, Carrick Fergus, there's uh, a wee uh, cross community church group meets once a month, mm. and uh, we come and we pray together and worship together and uh, have different speakers come in and talk to us. And that uh, back during the troubles, I probably wouldn't have been thought of as something that could happen. Mm. How do they get in touch with you? Go on in uh, towns all around the country. If people live in Northern Ireland or in in the United Kingdom, other places, uh, and they want to get in touch with you, uh, how do they do that? Um, You could could email me if you want. Uh, uh, My email is phil.hoy1 at gmail.com or you could follow me on Twitter which is uh, Phil let me see if I can find it here quickly uh, <laughs> can't that's figure Phil it out can underscore you? Hoy one, I think I think that's what it is Phil underscore Hoy one cool and we got to keep you writing for the red letter Christians because we yeah. you know one of the things that we love is is folks that really have their feet on the ground so doing the work you're doing with refugee children and uh all all that work in the communities, what we're about. You no, know, the, the other it. thing is, I've I've bumped into a lot of heroic folks from uh, the Northern Ireland. Okay, you know, I was I was in I went to Afghanistan, Phil, with um, Marie McGuire that won the Nobel Peace Prize for her work there, and just sat at her feet uh, alongside these heroic young people in Kabul. Um, and boy, she's a she's a bright light in the world. And then I was just with a folk mu- a musician that works with uh, Tommy Sands. So you've got you've got a lot of great stories and music. And out of the the wounds of history, there's a lot of healing that's coming that that we can learn from for sure. You told me, uh, Phil, a story about when the cathedral in Belfast burned down. Uh, that actually Protestants contributed. Uh, to rebuilding it, could you? Hmm. Did I misinterpret that, or did that actually uh, happen? You were close, uh, but whenever the uh, Reformation happened, uh, any previous church buildings or property in Ireland was taken over by the Anglican Church of Ireland. So that meant that uh, Catholics didn't have any uh, places of worship. So they uh, basically held mass at uh, rocks or caves or mm. hedges around 
the country, but in the, the 1700s, the late 1700s, whenever Belfast was very progressive, um, Presbyterians clumped together and uh, made a common fund and uh, built St. Mary's Church in Belfast, which is incredible when you think about it. Compared they they to contributed the money to build a church? Years ago. Yeah, they, they used the money to, to build a church for Catholics. Whoa. Hmm. That, that's, that's a story that has never been told on this side of the pond. I doubt if many of the people in the United Kingdom have heard that. That's, that's worth repeating. That's no, worth talking about. I don't either. There's, there's stories of that happening all over the place, but it's uh, just sort of forgotten about. Hmm. Yeah, well, my goodness. Uh, I'm glad you're over there, and I'm glad you're spreading the word and saying things that I had never heard before. Had you ever heard any of this stuff? Uh, it's so good. So good to hear those stories. You got any more that you want to close us with, man? Any uh, last thoughts on, on what's happening now or any of the, the, lo- the lost and forgotten stories of uh, Northern Ireland? Um, I don't know. I've, I've got a quote from our Mary, so I do, from Mary Ann. Um, it's, it's, it's as true then as it is now, and I think it would be good if it was taken on now as well, but it says, uh, here's what Mary says, she says, Religion also should be called to aid the regeneration of our political as well as our social and individual character. Hmm. Divine precepts are simple and e- easily comprehended. To do to others as we would wish others to do to us. To do no evil that good may come of it to love our neighbor as ourselves, and to be guided by the parable of the Good Samaritan, to consider all who are within reach of our kindness as our neighbors, however they may differ from us in our religious belief, thus endeavoring to become in reality what we profess to be, true and sincere Christians, for then indeed would this world become a paradise of peace. Not mm. lovely. And this is from Marianne McCracken? Yep, that's from Marianne McCracken. And in the uh, early 1700s, she was... Uh, late, late 1700s. Late 1700s. Okay, yeah, late 1700s. Very good. Or, the, or up to maybe the 70s and the 1800s. Uh, you mentioned when we were over there in your part of the world something about uh, the um, American missionaries coming over there and really driving a wedge between Protestants and Catholics. Yeah, that's what, whenever I was talking about that. 1859 uh, revival. Mm. Um, a lot, that's when a lot of the sort of anti-Catholicism sort of came in again um, in the the Presbyterian community in uh, Ulster. Um, so they they brought a lot of that um, over with them as well as just sort of uh, fundamentalism in general. But it's interesting, the same thing sort of happened during the World Wars, where uh, American soldiers were stationed in Northern Ireland, in the north of Ireland, and um, the uh, different places that had different people. But in Carrickfergus, you had a, I never knew this until recently now, but um, a, a big group of African-American soldiers and apparently the people absolutely loved them and held parties for them and all but then when a lot of the white white American soldiers came over they started spreading rumors and lies about the black soldiers and uh, teaching people over here derogatory words for black people and telling them oh they do this and they do that you can't trust them all this sort of thing so that actually brought a lot of racism mm. to the north of Ireland so we export a lot of stuff 
but among the stuff we yeah. export is yeah. division, hatred. I think you should maybe help us fix it then with this uh, red letter Christian stuff. Well, we've got to change. Yeah, it's what uh, our friend Richard Rohr, who's been on this show with us, he's a wonderful Franciscan, and he says uh, the best correction for what's wrong is the practice of something better. So we're trying to amplify those voices like the ones you've pointed us to and sing a better song ourselves so that uh, we, you know, folks think of Christians for the wonderful work of liberating the captives and the, the work like uh, uh, Marianne McCracken did for sure. So thanks uh, for everything. We're, we're sadly out of time, so we're going to have to keep hearing your voice on our uh, on our blog and website. And again, this has been uh, a wonderful conversation with Phil Hoy uh, there in Northern Ireland. You can um, uh, see more about his work and go to our website and hear more voices like his. Over in the UK, it's redletterchristians.org.uk. And, and uh, elsewhere in the world, yeah, it's just we're on Twitter, letter, and Facebook, and all that stuff. Just too, so. redletterchristians.org, and you'll find out about Shane and me and all the rest of us on this side of the pond. Uh, till the next time, uh, which is, I hope, next week, uh, you'll tune in and hear us uh, mouth off again about Red Letter Christianity. People who want to take Jesus seriously, who say that Jesus really meant what he said, as radical as it was and is. Thanks Let's, for joining us, and thank you, Phil. Thanks for being our guest. Have, have a good day. Thanks very much. Good